Hey everybody, welcome to Flight Deck, your inside look at the New York Jets. My name is Rich Samini, I cover the Jets for ESPN, and I've seen this movie too many times. Now that wouldn't be a bad thing if we were talking about the Shawshank Redemption or something like that, but this is called the Offensive Regression. Rough game on Monday night, a 27-6 loss to the Chargers. Uh, embarrassed to say I actually picked the Jets in this game, knowing their profound offensive issues, so shame on me for that pick. They head to Vegas this week looking to find help and salvation in the desert, and I think a lot of folks could probably relate to that. We have a packed episode. We're going to do the mailbag in the second segment, and we're going to give out our midseason awards in the third segment. The first segment, we're going to deal with Monday night, and hopefully our start goes better than the Jets' starts this year because we know they're the worst first-quarter team in the league based on point differential. Uh, They failed to score a touchdown on Monday night. Only eight offensive touchdowns in eight games, people. Um, You know, certain things in life are okay once a week, like getting a paycheck, paying your bills, you'll go food shopping, getting a phone call from your kids at college or wherever they're living if you're an empty nester like me. But scoring a touchdown once a week, not good. People get fired when that happens in the NFL. Nathaniel Hackett, he won't get fired because he's Aaron Rodgers' BFF. I don't think he's doing a very good job, and I get it. He lost Aaron Rodgers on the fourth play of the year. Achilles injury, awful, terrible for everyone. So you knew it would be tough, but not this bad. There's really no excuse to be this bad. We're talking eight touchdown drives, and get this, out of those eight, four of them were one-play drives, you know, like a big play, Brees Hall or Garrett Wilson. In the last four games, the New York Jets have not had a touchdown drive longer than one play. Against the Giants, Brees Hall scored. It was a check down pass that went for 50 yards. Against the Eagles, Hall scored on that eight-yard run, but the Eagles let him score at the end of the game. Denver game, Hall scores, first play of the drive, a 72-yard run. It's unfathomable in the NFL to go four games in a row without being the cobbled together a few good plays in a row to score a touchdown. Here's something else that's unfathomable. The Jets are converting on third down at a 22% clip. That's the worst in the NFL in at least the last 45 years, and, and it could be longer, but our our folks at ESPN Stats checked with Elias, and they only keep third down stats back to 1978. So as, as far as we know, it might be longer than 45 years. They're making Gase look like Bill Walsh for crying out loud. You know, NFL coaches are supposed to be problem solvers. They put out fires on a weekly basis. If there's a weakness, they fix it. Hackett has not fixed the problems. The same problems persist week after week. Third down in red zone. It's situational football. But we know he's not going anywhere anywhere because Aaron Rodgers would not have that. Dumping Hackett or taking away his play calling ability would be like disowning a member of the family, you know, as far as Rodgers is concerned. So it sets up a really weird dynamic 
where there can be no accountability for this coach because the Jets absolutely want to have Aaron Rodgers back next year. And, you know, I think a lot of this is on Joe Douglas as well. This is a deeply flawed offense. Now, Zach Wilson proved last year that he's not a starter in this league. He's showing this year that he's not a good backup either. He's 31st in the league in total QBR, trailing only, uh, ahead of only, Bryce Young who's a rookie, as you know, rookie from the Panthers. Wilson, most of his stats are actually worse than last year's in a lot of categories. Um, Pocket presence and his recognition really regressed on Monday night against L.A. You know, we had a cute little narrative for a few weeks. You know, Zach was getting better. You know, he was more confident. He was more comfortable. But the bottom line, the results were not backing there up. They had a three-game winning streak which was camouflaging a lot of issues on offense. You know what they say, you know, winning is the best deodorant in sports. And the Jets didn't have that deodorant on Monday night. And the whole thing, you know, frankly, it stunk. Uh, Now, getting back to Wilson, when he has a defined read and can deliver it on time, he's actually a functional quarterback. Against L.A., he was 20 for 22 when throwing the ball under 2.5 seconds. When his first read is not there, it's not good. He held the ball too long Monday night. When he held it for longer than 2.5 seconds, he was 13 for 27. They gave up those eight sacks, and I'd say at least three of them were on Zach Wilson. The first one, he let Bosa slap the ball out of his hands for a strip sack. The worst situation sequence was the back-to-back sacks in the red zone. On the first one, Hackett actually used the seven-man protection. He had two tight ends blocking Khalil Mack. Mack eventually won because Wilson held the ball too long. And then on the next play, still in the red zone, Wilson takes a third-down sack. He had Alan Lazard open near the sticks, did not see him. They have to settle for a field goal after the sack. You know, I was talking to a former NFL quarterback just a few days ago. And he said, you know, his takeaway on Wilson was he just does not process quickly post-snap. When the ball is snapped, it's like when the Wi-Fi in your house isn't working. You know, everything slows down a little bit. And I think that's really the case with Zach Wilson. So I'm not dumping it all on him. I'm not dumping it all on Hackett. I think, to quote Rex Ryan, it's kind of a combination platter. Now, should they bench Wilson? No, I think at that point they would be at this point it would be desperation. The Jets are four and four; they're not out of it yet. I think Salah has to give him another chance. I mean, they just came off a three-game winning streak. In spite of Wilson, uh, I don't think you want to come off. I think it would be a knee-jerk reaction to bench him after this bad game. Now, Trevor Simeon, I know fans are calling for him. He can't move, guys. He'd be a tackling dummy out there. He got pounded. When he was with Denver, and after that, um, it, that that is not the answer right now. Uh, it, it, he wouldn't be Josh Dobbs, let's put it that way. I mean, he wouldn't just be able to parachute in there and save the day. I think the Jets are stuck with Wilson, and you can thank Joe Douglas for that. He's the one who decided in the offseason to make him a backup, despite the obvious struggles last year. And as they said in a famous movie, that's a bold strategy, Cotton, a bold strategy. Like I said, A flawed offense. Douglas deserves some of that blame, a lot of that blame. They don't have a number two wide receiving option. I watched from the press box 
I don't even need to see the All-22 tape, and I see the safety cheating to Garrett Wilson's side on almost every play. Lazard and Cobb have been disappointments. McCole Hardman got traded. Now everyone's going to say, well, they should have kept Elijah Moore. Well, Elijah Moore is not doing anything in Cleveland either. He still hasn't scored a touchdown. This is why Joe Douglas was chasing Odell Beckham so hard in the offseason and why he was supposedly trying to get Devontae Adams and Mike Evans at the trading deadline. You know, he knew there was a hole in this offense. Now it was unfortunate that Corey Davis walked out in the middle of training camp. You know, they probably didn't have a great idea that that was going to happen. So they're in a really tough spot at wide receiver. It's just a flawed offense. Now, I know some people are saying now, well, they should have drafted Jackson Smith and Jigba. I know this for a fact. The Jets didn't even have a first ground grade on him. I don't think he he's doing okay so far. He's certainly not another Garrett Wilson. I think the better question would be, what about Jordan Addison or Zay Flowers? Those guys were drafted right after the Jets took Will McDonald. Or how about the tight end? who's really kind of a tight end hybrid wide receiver, Dalton Kincaid. He's tearing it up, up in Buffalo. I think Joe Joe Douglas spent too much time listening to Nathaniel Hackett and Aaron Rodgers in the offseason, picking up Lazard and Cobb and Billy Turner, all these ex-Packers, ex-Broncos. He should have gone with his gut, and now he's got an offense with some glaring deficiencies. Um, offensive line, yeah, a lot of movement on the offensive line. They've had five different starting combinations, but come on, you can't use that as an alibi. This is not like they're throwing in practice squad guys or lowly drafted rookies. I mean, last week, yeah, they did have to throw in a practice squad guy in Xavier Newman. He actually did okay, but this is the guys they picked. Becton, Tomlinson, Tipman, Mitchell, those are all Joe Douglas guys. And Billy Turner, train wreck another Hackett Rogers guy. I actually think Becton's played okay on Monday, and I don't think he was the problem. Rest of the guys, not so much. So it's a flawed offense with a limited quarterback, and the Jets are wasting a really, really good defense, and that's a damn shame. All right, for the mailbag this week, we're going to go with eight questions. That's one for each touchdown scored by the Jets this year. Or you could say one for each sack they gave up on Monday night. Take your pick. Either way, we're going with eight. And we did get a lot about Zach Wilson and his status. Uh, I'm going to combine that into one question. So apologies. You know, a lot of people asking why stick with Wilson. Uh, They have really no great options at this point. We know Tim Boyle is the number two. He's an unproven journeyman backup. He would not be the guy to start. They would have to uh, elevate Trevor Simeon from the practice squad. He's been here a few weeks now, actually probably almost a couple, about a month or so. So he should have a pretty good grasp of the offense. And it wouldn't be a huge ask to have him come in and run the offense. He's a fairly experienced guy. Uh, I just don't think they're at that point yet. I think uh, I think he's a younger Joe Flacco. Nice guy, smart guy, but terribly immobile. He would be a sitting duck behind this offensive line. So I don't think the Jets are ready to go there yet. And me personally, I am not ready to pull the plug on Zach Wilson yet. Question from at Jim Taylor. His handle's at 57ZOSO. Rich, with the current conditions of the offensive line, why are the Jets not moving Zach Wilson out of the pocket with some design rollouts? It could seem to buy him a little bit more time. 
Uh, Jim, Zach Wilson is not good outside the pocket either. I checked it. When he's throwing from outside the tackle box, he's only 13 for 38. He's got an interception in terms of uh, passer rating. The only quarterback worse than Wilson outside the pocket is Jimmy Garoppolo in Las Vegas. And, uh, you know, so no, Zach Wilson is not good in the pocket or outside the pocket. At Dutch 1968, does the NFL quarterback hold the ball? Does any NFL quarterback hold the ball longer than Zach Wilson? How much unfair criticism does the offensive line get when the quarterback holds the ball too long, has no pocket awareness, doesn't throw the ball away, and seems to have no clue on escaping pressure? Wow, Dutch, let us know how you really feel. You're pretty much on the money, though. A lot of those things you said are true. And Wilson, believe it or not, has improved his delivery time. He's cut it down to under three seconds. For the season, he's at 2.9 seconds from snap to delivery. That is the eight. There are seven other quarterbacks who hold it longer. It's it's what you do with the ball. I mean, C.J. Stroud is at 3.03 seconds. He's holding it longer than Zach Wilson, but he's just making better decisions. So you can hold the ball a little longer if you know what to do with it and get it where it needs to go, and obviously Zach Wilson is not doing that. Next question, at J.P. Waxer, how do you build the op- rebuild the offensive line next year with the status of expiring contracts, contracts and injured youth? Uh, a really good question. I think the only guys who are locks to be starters next year are Joe Tipman at center, and Elijah Vera Tucker will come back and play guard. Makai Becton's a free agent. I do not believe he will be back. I think he will. Uh, I think it will be a mutual parting. I don't, frankly, think he'd want to come back, and I think the Jets would probably not want to have him back. Uh, Lakin Tomlinson, I think, could be a cap casualty. Dwayne Brown, I suspect, will retire. Carter Warren, the rookie? Uh, maybe. I don't know if you want to put him into a starting job. He hasn't done anything yet. Uh, the, the line is going to need work in the offseason. There's no question about it. I think you've got to make a priority in drafting an offensive tackle. At Brian P. Brewster, speaking of which, at this point I think Carter Warren at right tackle and Roger Saffold at right guard would be an upgrade. Any chance of that? Warren at right tackle, highly doubt it. In the short term, he simply has not played a lot of football. Missed OTAs, missed most of training camp, started the year on IR. Carter Warren might have a future, but he's been injury-plagued so far. They're not ready to put him in there. Sapold, I do think, will be elevated from the practice squad, uh, maybe even this week. I, I wouldn't even rule that out. I could, They can get him in there at right guard. He's also played a lot of tackle in his career. I don't know if that would be the wisest thing to do right now. But yes, I could definitely see him at right guard in the not-too-distant future. At 58-58, Jack. Raising a question about Robert Sala. He's 15-27, and 27, and he won't move off Zach Wilson. Joe Dale, uh, Douglas's record never finished better than last in the division. They've been historically inept in the same areas each year. When does Woody Johnson lose his mind? Well, he probably lost it last night watching that awful football game from an offensive perspective. Um, look, big picture look right now. Jets are 4-4 four and four with their backup quarterback. I don't think that's a terrible place to be. I think we all thought they might even be in this situation with Aaron Rodgers. So 
There's a lot of football to be played. We've got nine games to go. I think Woody Johnson will take into account what they've had to deal with with no Rodgers. Uh, but if it comes down to a really tough decision, always remember this. Woody Johnson did not hire Robert Sala. Don't forget that. At Mole Rock, the question is from Dr. James Buffett. It's been said that Sala gets a pass this season for uh, due to Rodgers' injury, but the team is one of the most penalized in the league, and they often look undisciplined and unprepared. Um, Sala's a well-liked, and he's a professional, but his record's not great. Could he be out as head coach at the end of the season? I want to specifically address the penalty issue. Yes, it's reared its ugly head the last two games, 19 penalties, but believe it or not, they are not a heavily penalized team for the entire season. They are right in the middle of the pack. I think they're 16th in penalties. It's come up the last couple of weeks, and they got to figure it out and get it cleaned up because it's not good enough. But, um, you know, penalties are always an indication or illustration of coaching. So I wouldn't push the panic button there just yet on Salah because they are not, they have not, it has not been a season long issue. Let's put it that way. At PMU 418, Rich, two questions. First, I know it's your job, but how do you consistently get up to cover this team day in and day out? It has to be draining. And number two, why am I still a fan of this team? It's so draining. Well, Maverick, for me, it's a job. I love this job. I consider myself privileged and lucky to be able to do this for so long in the best media market in the world, working for a great media entity like ESPN. No one's had it better than me. And yeah, sometimes it's long, it's frustrating. I didn't get home till three o'clock in the morning on Monday night, Tuesday morning, but that's part of the job. And whether the team is going well or poorly, you just deal with it. You just write what's happening. And that's as, as simply as I can put it. Now, why are you still a fan of this team? You're like a lot of fans, Maverick. I mean, you're just hoping that there's going to be a better tomorrow. And I get it. I really feel for the fan base. It can be brutally frustrating, especially when you watch games like Monday night. But I don't know. Maybe they'll figure something out here and get it turned around, although I'm not keeping my playoff hopes alive at this point. All right, now we're going to have some fun. We're going to give out some midseason awards, the Flight Deck Midseason Jets Awards. Let's go. Offensive MVP. Now, it's hard to give an MVP of a unit that is consistently performed at the bottom of the league, but we're going to do it. I'm going to give it to Brees Hall. He leads the Jets in touchdowns. He's the most exciting player on offense. Big plays, home run ability, in a little bit of a rushing slump right now, but I think he's having a good year coming off the ACL. Brees Hall, our offensive MVP. Defensive MVP, Quincy Williams, AFC Defensive Player of the Month for October, been all over the field, just uh, really, it's, it's been really cool to watch his development as a, as a player who's grown the last couple of years into from going from a backup to a starter to, I think, a Pro Bowl linebacker. So Quincy Williams, defensive MVP, most improved player, I'm giving it to Jermaine Johnson. Had another good game on Monday night, he's got four and a half sacks. Last year was basically a bottom-of-the-rotation role guy on this defensive line. Now he's a starter. He uh, took Carl Lawson's starting job, 
and playing really well. Jermaine Johnson most improved. Biggest surprise, I'm going with Makai Becton. Two reasons. One, he's healthy. We never thought that was going to be the case. I personally, I thought he wouldn't even make it through the preseason, given his injury history. He started every game. He's played well. He had one bad game. It was against the Giants, which he admitted. I thought he had a good game against the Chargers on Monday night. I would keep him at left tackle. I think he's he's potentially having a really good season. And so he's my biggest surprise. My biggest disappointment, Dalvin Cook. 121 yards rushing after eight games. Wow. Just didn't think that was possible. They're paying him $7 million. It's not all Cook's fault. I get it. Brees Hall came back with a vengeance. Cook's role, smaller than anticipated. But still, when he gets the ball, he just he doesn't look like the same runner who had so many good years in Minnesota. Player sitting on the biggest goal mine, Bryce Huff. He leads the Jets with five sacks. He's going to be an unrestricted free agent after the year. <clears throat> Joe Douglas said he's had some informal talks with Huff's representation about a contract extension from what I've been told. I think informal would be stretching it a little bit. I don't think I, I think they've barely talked about it. But the point is, he's their number one priority in the offseason. You got to get Brees Huff, uh, Bryce Huff signed. He's a really good pass rusher. Uh, best rookie? Well, I'm going to go with a non-draft pick. I think Xavier Gibson would be the best rookie at this point. The, the draft class has been a disappointment. Gibson won the first game of the year with the punt return and actually made a couple of plays on Monday night. So I'm going with Xavier Gibson, the worst rookie. You know, Will McDonald's been a disappointment. I, I think the expectations weren't terribly high coming in, knowing that he'd have to get bigger and stronger and, and get used to this scheme. But he's really had a hard time uh, carving a niche out in this defensive line rotation. Best free agent signing. I'm going with Quentin Jefferson. Four and a half sacks. He's been a really nice, cost-effective pickup for the Jets. Came over from Seattle. He's a good dude. He's a really good locker room guy. And he's given a more interior pass rush than I think anyone had a right to expect. Worst free agent signing. Alan Lazard. Four penalties. For the year, three drops and only one touchdown. He has not been a number two option. The Jets spent a lot of money on him. He got the biggest wide receiver contract in free agency this offseason based on guaranteed money, and he has not delivered. Most eyebrow-raising performance for the first half of the year, Quinnen Williams gets a mega contract right before training camp, close to $100 million. He's only got a half a sack. And I thought this was really interesting on the ESPN telecast Monday night. Troy Aikman, who obviously spoke to Williams in their production meeting, repeated something that Williams had not shared publicly. He said Williams has been asking the coaching staff to come up with different ways to scheme him so he doesn't have to deal with this many double-team blocks. And Aikman was quoting Williams as saying, I'm the most expensive decoy in the league. Something to be... Something to uh, earmark, pay attention to. I'll look into that this week. But this has not been a hugely productive first half for Quentin Williams. Lots of pressures, but he's getting paid to sack the quarterback, and he's only got a half a sack. Best moment, uh, I'm going to call it a tie. Xavier Gibson's punt return touchdown in the opener in overtime. Walk off, tremendous moment. And I thought, I think Tony Adams, his interception against Philly, biggest win of the year, game clincher. 
toward the end there, picking off Jalen Hurts. Huge moment, so we'll call it a tie. The worst moment, if you need me to pick out a worst moment for you, then you just haven't been paying attention. Obviously, it happened on the fourth play of the year, and you know what I'm talking about. Let's give out some grades. Offense, F. How could it be anything other than an F? There are two players in the NFL who have scored more touchdowns than the Jets. Raheem Mostert and Christian McCaffrey. They've both scored more than the Jets as a team. That is just incomprehensible. The defense gets an A. I think in some ways they're better than last year's defense. Now, it may not show up in the rankings, but I think they're taking the ball away. They're generating more pressure. We've seen guys improve like Tony Adams and Bryce Huff and Jermaine Johnson and Quincy Williams. Those guys have really stepped up this year. So I'm going to give the defense an A. Special team gets gets a B. I probably would have given them an A until Monday night when they gave up the touchdown on the punt return. That was extremely unfortunate. I think it was demoralizing in a sense. I just felt the team went flat for a while after that. So a B for special teams. Coaching, I'm going to give it a B-. minus. Look, let's take a step back from the Monday night debacle. They are 4-4. Four and four. They have had some exciting comeback wins, including the Philly game. I think there's some serious issues they have to figure out. Number one, the offense. Number two, their first quarters are terrible. But I think Salah deserves some credit for keeping the team together. And like I said, they're at the midpoint without their starting quarterback, and they're still in it at 4-4. Four and four, So I think that deserves some credit. So I'm going to give them a B-. minus. Okay, so now we have... Sunday night, another primetime game for the Jets going to Las Vegas. I don't know who to pick in this game. I mean, the Vegas Raiders, yeah, they got a they got a spark from Antonio Pierce as head coach. Sometimes those things in the NFL are just, you know, brief sparks, you know, like a one-week bump. And, you know, there could be a market correction. I think this is going to be a truly, truly ugly football game. You're talking about Zach Wilson versus the rookie Aiden O'Connell. It's not going to be pretty at all. It's going to come down to defense and special teams. The Jets have a better defense than the Raiders. But quite honestly, I'm making a I'm making an angry pick here. I'm going to pick the Raiders, but I wouldn't bet on that. I'm just making this pick out of anger because I picked the Jets to beat the Chargers and they fell on their face. So I may feel differently by the end of the week, but right now I'm going to pick the Raiders to hold serve at home in the prime time. Uh, against a Jet team that is really, really looking for answers on offense. And I want to thank my producer, Jeff Scopin, and we will talk to you next week on Flight Deck right after Jets Raiders.